0: What is up, you beautiful bastards? It is your boy, Bike Packer, a.k.a. Rabbi Can't Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Aaron Marino, a.k.a. Alpha M, on YouTube. You've likely seen this guy on YouTube where he has six million plus subscribers and he talks about fashion, image, and lifestyle design. Originally, I was on Aaron's show, but he started mentioning how he went from selling beer on a golf course, then his, all of his gyms went bankrupt, and then only 13 years later, he's now a multi-multi-millionaire from running a YouTube channel. I was really fascinated by him and his story that I had to bring him on for you. So check out his eyeglass brand, by the way, which is enemy.com. If you are looking to make money being a content creator, you are going to love this episode. Here's three gigantic things you're gonna get. Number one, all the businesses he tried so you can see what's working and what doesn't. Number two, why does he still do his own editing and filming for his large YouTube channel? And number three, all the revenue sources plus his number one revenue source in his businesses. You're gonna enjoy those three things plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. By the way, check out AppSumo.com. It is the number one site online for software deals. If you are starting or growing your business, this literally, literally should be your homepage. Go sign up for the free newsletter to see what tools will help you grow your business. AppSumo.com. And if you are new around here, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Jump on youtube.com slash okdork and subscribe to my channel where I put out exclusive videos plus free office hours just for subscribers. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Money Mar, what is up my man, from the US of A. He left a review saying, Noah has a gift for creating content that is entertaining and equally actionable. Dude, you're the man. I appreciate you and every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want a shout out in a future episode, leave a review anywhere online. I check every single one of them. What makes a day great to you versus not great?
1: It's so unfortunate, but A lot of my happiness I find is tied to YouTube view performance. And that's just me being honest, right? If I have a great video, like I'm like, yeah, things are good. And you know, all the all the shit that comes at me, you know, even if it's not amazing, it's like, eh, no big deal. But when views are bad, like they have been for the past, you know, few months, it really is unhealthy how how much it affects me, I think. So today my video is actually doing pretty shitty, but my day's okay because it's Thursday. I, I filmed all the content that I need to for this week. And, and Fridays are typically my my days where I kind of chill out a little bit and, and just take meetings and calls and
0: things are good. So two things with that, uh, uh, I'd i be curious to hear more. So yeah, I guess, how do you deal with that? How do you proceed, especially when you're saying it's been months now oh, yeah. that you're not hitting the views? YouTube's
1: been really weird for, uh, since the whole like COVID thing hit, viewing patterns and habits have very much changed. And so you know people aren't really so concerned about how to look good, you know, in terms of, you know, what to wear on a date or or how to talk to girls. They, you know, they're like, whatever, fuck that.
0: Keep going with that, man, because I think that's something that all of us go through. I know with AppSumo.com, when we have these days, like today we had a six-figure day, and I'm like, you know, our company's the best thing in the world, and then there's days where our revenue's down. I'm like, well, who's getting fired today? You know, and it's interesting how much we let these external out-of-control things, out of our total control, really affect our emotions.
1: No, it's absolutely true, and and that's the thing. I mean, every day I get up, And in terms of my videos, there's not a day that I phone it in. I give 120% trying to make it, you know, an engaging video. I do the thumbnail. I do all the editing still. So I have, you know, 100% like hands-on with my content. It's such a, I guess, part of me and part of my identity at this point that when it doesn't do well, I take it incredibly personal. So yeah, so I don't know how you deal with it because I have, you know, a friend, you know, Antonio Centeno, you know, Antonio, Real Men, Real Style? No. I think he knows you. Oh, cool. He does a real good job of separating himself from the content and the, and the um, you know, just the emotions tied to when things don't go amazing. But I have just not been able to do that yet. It still really affects me because of how much I put in, I think.
0: I feel you. Lately, I've been I'm watching other people's interviews, and then the interviewer is always the one talking the whole time. And I'm like, shut up. You brought the guest on for a reason. But I, I want to feel you, man. Like We put out a video yesterday, and it did great. And I'm also curious to you what's great, like what means great to you. And it's just like, yeah, the rest of the day, I'm kind of like, I don't even, it's, I'm subconsciously not even aware how much it bothers me. For me, I have to remember, it's like, keep going, right? Like not every rock star or rapper, not every song's a banger. And so I just kind of keep going with that. And then I'm, and I think a lot of times I'm like, well, did I at least put out what I wanted to put out? And you know, it still bothers, but yeah, I think I try to think, remind myself of that. Like I just still did the video I wanted to do.
1: Yeah, for me, there's also the part of the fact that all of my videos are sponsored you know, it is a business. And I know that if I'm not getting the views or not getting the conversions for, for the brands, it is going to affect, you know, more than just me. It affects the people that work for me. And, you know, there's a lot riding on that and riding on the success as well.
0: I'm curious, the metric specifically, like what's a great video launch for you?
1: It used to be before this COVID and, and views for me are down about 30%. So it used to be, so a good video or an average video before would hit, you know, 175,000 views in a day, 24 hours. And then, right, it's all relative, you know, and a a good video would do 225, 250, a great video would do 300, 350. And so an absolute atrocious video would do, you know, under 100. And so now the average is if it does like 110, that's a a good video. Uh, If it does 150, it's a great video. And so,
0: yeah. So that you don't have really have like an answer. I was hoping you have some like wisdom in there about like, I go and I have like a blueberry scone and that makes my day better afterwards. Like, is there any wisdom about?
1: I exercise a lot. Exercising typically uh, is how I manage the stress. But yeah, just go out for a run or a walk and listen to some music and sort of decompress and realize that, you know, there's always tomorrow. And so you're always like, okay, that next piece of content, tomorrow is gonna crush it. I, I know it. There's always tomorrow. I put out four videos a, a week. There's always tomorrow. You never know when the next one's going to do really
0: well. Can I give you some feedback or suge- or just can I question some suggestions? Is that okay? Can I get permission? You have permission to say whatever you want. <laughs> yes. Thanks, dude. No, sometimes people give me feedback. And I'm like, I didn't ask for it. No, thank you. No, no, no. So one, for every video you put out, are you emailing your entire audience? No. The difference when we email out a video versus not emailing out a video is like magnitudes. It's probably between like a normal video if we just put it on YouTube and pray to the YouTube gods that we get views it's like a 1000 or 2000 videos is like a pretty okay video in a day the video views literally it's in like it doubles it goes from like 2 to 5 and it's pretty much like all right we're guaranteed that our audience will at least see it versus now you're kind of subjugated to YouTube's deciding whether you're going to get shown or not and you know you don't want to be at their mercy yeah no, you don't so just something to think about man like i just you know i went to your site alpha m. i i am alpha m.com and as well as AaronMarino.com. You don't aggressively collect emails there. It seems like a low-hanging fruit. And then every email or at least twice a week, your emails probably can put you back up to 200 just from your own audience. You're one of the biggest YouTubers, especially in, in the image and fashion. How come you don't have a team doing your thumbnails and your editing and your titles? So we have, we have a team that we've built. I mean, we're, we're at 80,000-ish subs. And we do have money from our company, AppSumo, but I'm kind of surprised that you don't build a team around it.
1: No, no, it's the one thing that I really love doing. And so why would I outsource that? I love the process, I love the filming, I love the editing, I love the thumbnails, even though it it takes time. You know, when I think about, you know, sort of how I got started in this, it was because I loved how close I could get to people. And so for me, if that's sort of the price I have to pay, you know, a few hours a day in creating content, because literally, I mean, it takes me, you know, an hour to film a video, hour to edit, you know, the thumbnail, you know, I've got a guy who helps me on on some thumbnails where I, I just don't have any Photoshop skills for three hours, you know, of work four days a week, you know, I can build, you know, a multi, 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 multi-million dollar business from it. I'll keep doing it and I enjoy it. And so it's the price I pay.
0: Well, there's two things there. I'm just going to highlight cause I think that's such an important point is that a lot of people outsource the things they love. And I'm like, well, if you love that part, do it. And, it's, and that's awesome. It's honestly a nice reminder for me to hear that from you. The second thing that I'm curious is how many multi-millions was in there? I heard a lot of multi.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Well, I've got like five or six companies.
0: <laughs> and so,
1: um, but yeah, it's um, just, I love doing it. And so I've got a lot of people that, that help me do the, and run the other businesses. But the one thing I do that I love that I'm going to continue to do as long as, you know, I'm able to, is going to be creating the content. And the way that I film is weird. And it's not as simple as just giving my like pressing record, filming the video, and sending it to somebody to just make the cuts where i need them because i will do take after take after take until i deliver a line or whatever right and so i can edit my video in an hour if i were to send the 150 clips to somebody it would take them a week and a half to go through and figure out and make it look sexy that's just the other part of it do i believe that they would make it better yeah do i think that it might lose a little bit of its like that genesis ne sais quoi that you know i feel that i bring to it yeah probably so
0: The only thing that I would poke on is that I think because we've hired a team, one to do video and one to do kind of titles and thumbnails and production, it gives them a chance to keep improving it and really have like specific key metrics that it's like, and we're starting out. So obviously you're more of a veteran, but the fact that Jeremy's in charge of the CTR and it's like each week he can be measuring himself successfully or not and dedicated to that. And it just makes it a little bit easier. If you fucking like it, I'd say, you know, I I admire that and I respect that. The one thing I was curious on that note though is Tell me more about your batching. I was actually surprised how much of our audience is content creators and how many people are excited about YouTube. But how do you actually? said you do four videos in a day, like what's that look like? No, no,
1: no, no, no. A a week, a week. So I only film one video a day, Monday through Thursday. I'll film one video a day. Yeah, I don't batch one a day. It's about the amount of energy that it takes me for you know the creation of the content, you know conceptualizing it, thinking about the thumbnail. I'm not that good that I can think about a lot of things at once. I really need to stay focused on one specific task. And so for me, I know that every day when I wake up, my most important job that I have to do is create a video, Monday through Thursday. And so that's really how I built and structured my day around creating the content and then editing and getting it finalized and sending it off to the brand to, to approve.
0: If that went away, what would you do in your day? If all you had to do was show up on camera and the production, the producer already has your script, the video editor is ready to edit, the thumbnail woman, man is ready to, to thumbnail you, what would you want to do in your day? Or what would that day be like? Because I still, I kind of wonder that maybe is another level of growth for you. I don't know why I'm getting that impression.
1: You know, the truth is I've got you know, the ability, I've got people that email me, I've got people that could handle this. But for whatever reason, and I know the reason, the reason is I, I still love doing it. And so it works for me. And so what I would do if I didn't do it, I don't know, probably start another business or something.
0: All right. Well, let's take a step back in in the story. I told my mom, I'm staying at her house in Albuquerque right now, I said, hey, I'm going to go interview a YouTuber. She's like, so what does he do? Well, he teaches men fashion. And my mom, you know, she's traditional. She is a nurse and... She's like, so hon, does he make money doing it? I'm like, yeah, he make, uh, makes a million dollars a year. The first thing she says, why doesn't your brother do it? Why doesn't your brother do it? He's a bum. You know, he's a doctor. He could make these videos too, you know, flatteringly. It's like, I think what I'm starting to, to see more, and it's honestly just becoming shocking to me is how many different types of verticals or niches can become riches on YouTube, like fish tanks. I saw one where a guy does unicycling, and he's making money just being a unicyclist on YouTube. And uh, you, know, you did it starting really, really early. So I was maybe just curious about how you think about more people making money, teaching their experiences as content creators on YouTube.
1: YouTube is so amazing in terms of what the platform is, what it's become, and the fact that you can. I mean, if you've got a passion for something, you can make a million dollars from it. It's just about you know, figuring out what your voice is, being authentic and not blowing smoke up people's butts and your audience will find you.
0: I think one thing I I wanna hear from you specifically is what do you think the difference of a content creator, specifically in YouTube, the difference is between someone who's like treating it as an amateur and a hobbyist and someone who's treating it like a professional?
1: The adherence to a schedule and an upload schedule. You know, knowing that, okay, this is a job, I need to put out one video a week, two videos a week, whatever it is, and then sticking to it and not allowing life to interfere with that because that's, I think, where a lot of people Maybe it doesn't grow as fast as they think it should, or that it that they have seen their friends or other people's channels grow, and so they get discouraged and so the you know the really you know gung ho dudes that are like i'm gonna you know put out a video a week or two videos a week it starts to wane, and so I think the people that are professionals or that are ultimately going to succeed on the platform can stay focused even when it's not fun, and they're not getting sort of the accolades and the money and and all of that good stuff because the money is is not, in my opinion, it's not necessarily the reason why you should start a channel. And I think that's, I think, something that in the old days, old days, when I started YouTube, you know, there wasn't even this concept that you could make money off of YouTube. It wasn't really a thing. I think you had to have like 10,000 subscribers and then you had to apply to be a YouTube partner to actually start making ad revenue on your videos. Not to mention, you know, getting people off of the platform and and buying your products, buying your e-products or whatever it may be. And back in those days, I did. I tried a bunch of different things. I sold beaded bracelets. I, you know, I tried my hand at e-products. I tried a bunch of things, but none of it really worked out all that great. And, and, you know, as sort of I got more experience and as I learned more and saw what my audience was actually interested in, that allowed me to sort of, you know, grow as an entrepreneur and, and as a businessman.
0: Two things I want to just highlight here is just like it's so impressive that you've built literally, in my opinion, the largest channel on fashion and men's advice on YouTube. I don't think people get enough credit for this, but the fact that since 2008, I believe, mm-hmm. how long you have been doing something consistently? And one of my first things that I do now that I've been on YouTube, I've been back at it for a year with our team with Mitchell and Jeremy. And the fir- one of the first things I do when I go to any channel is I see how frequently they're posting. I'm like, is this the first one they've posted in a few weeks? Or is this what they've been doing for the past, for you, 12 years now, man? Yeah, man. You know, I don't like when people ask what motivated, but the days you didn't feel like doing it, what's gone through your head?
1: I haven't had that many of those days. I mean, you know, there are days where I would prefer not to make a video, but I think it's just because I have to. You show up. For me, it's it's just about, you know, I've worked so hard to get where I am, I'm not going to let it go. And so, you know, the fear of regressing, the fear of, you know, this all going away, because I've had a life before, you know, YouTube, I had a business, I had a business failure. Just the fear, I think that's really what motivates me to get up and, and just get at it and, and keep my head down and, show up and do the work.
0: Were you using YouTube originally? Because you started out in 2006 doing image consulting. It's actually funny. I've got it. I mean, I'll I'll share it. You were selling beer from a golf cart. Mm -hmm. You opened a a gym fitness studio, which did not work. And then you started doing image consulting. Were you using, were you originally thinking YouTube as like a lead gen for clients in consulting?
1: I had no idea, honestly. I wasn't that smart, Noah. I just basically was like, (laughs) yeah, I got my wife gave me a video camera for Christmas back in 2007. And it sat in the box for a year and um <laughs> yeah, I just was like, oh, let me see if I can figure this out. I thought that she wanted to, you know, make home
0: videos with me. I thought so too. That was my first thought, man. Real talk.
1: That was not the case. She did not want to get freaky. Funny story though, you know, when I started doing doing YouTube videos early on, it was kind of embarrassing for my wife to tell people, yeah, he's making YouTube videos, right? Because YouTube at that point was, you know, sort of the wild west where people were, you know, it was a lot of cat videos and things like that. And so one day, we were having a, a cleaning woman come by and, and look at her house. She didn't speak English all that well. I used to film my videos in a spare bedroom. And so so apparently, she was walking this woman around her house. She enters the spare bedroom, and there's a camera and a tripod over the bed. And so my wife tried to explain to her in very broken Spanish, you know, YouTube. It didn't really work out. But yeah, that was that was a funny YouTuber problem early on. But yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. I love YouTube.
0: I think one of the things that's been so beautiful, the fact that me and Mitchell decided to really focus on YouTube, it's really helped us meet really interesting people. That's almost one of like these really interesting byproducts of just finding categories of things to work on. So like this past few weeks, I've been really into bike packing, where you put all your camping gear on a bike, and I'm going to bike across America next year. And I've now like started connecting with different companies, like like this shirt company called Pedaled, and there's like a granola company. Kind of encourage everyone to think about like how do you work in categories that you just get to connect with cool people too.
1: Yeah, and and something that, uh, that my friend Antonio Centeno and I did uh, seven years ago, we put together a, a men's lifestyle conference. It was really just to to bring a lot of people, a lot of these creators and and people in our industry, bloggers together, and just meet because you know being an entrepreneur and being a content creator is a lonely journey at times, and so. Just to be around and surround yourself with really uplifting people that bring tremendous value and just that get it. That was the biggest value for me. It was just being around other people that get it and being around other entrepreneurs. That was something that I had struggled with for a long time because I was of the mindset of, I don't want to share anything. I don't want to talk to anybody because if I do, I'm worried that they're going to steal something. And so it was Antonio that actually reached out to me and said, Hey, let's meet and let's, you know, do this together. And at the time I hated him. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. You're doing what I'm doing. You're trying to like angle in on my action. And uh, he ended up becoming one of my best friends and it added so much richness in the friendships. And, you know, for seven years now we put on this conference. We just had the last conference this past uh, February and uh, we would have four or 500 people get together.
0: It's funny. I saw a picture of that conference. It was like the best dress conference I've ever seen. We put those people up front. (laughs) Yeah, it's like everyone had a handkerchief. Everyone had enemy.com glasses. Exactly, that's it. I think for a lot of the people that are starting out, when you decided to do image consulting, how did you actually get your first clients? I know we're going back in it, but we're gonna go back to come forward. And I was curious about that. So I had the fitness
1: center. It was failing, it failed. At that point, when it all went down, I was driving a beer cart just to put gas in my car at a local country club.
0: So when you say a beer cart, what do you mean? There was
1: a golf course and you have usually it's women, you know, young 20 year old girls, right. With like these beer carts where it's a, it's a golf cart with coolers on the back and they drive around to the golfers and give them beer or booze and get them all drunk while they're golfing. So I was looking for a part-time thing that I could do just on Saturdays and Sundays, because at the time I still had this fitness center that was on its spiral down. And I was still just trying to make ends meet, taking money off my credit cards to pay my staff. And so I'm like, I need to eat. And so I, uh, I ended up you know, looking and finding, you know, that I found a country club and I went in for the interview and he said, well, this is typically something women do. Are you sure you want to do it? I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, yes, of course, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And, and I ended up, you know, outselling all of them. It really wasn't that bad. The hardest part about that time for me is that I didn't know what my plan B was for my entire life since the age of 12. All I wanted to do was own a fitness center. And so when that was taken away from me, it's like, fuck, what now? I had no idea what was next. But something interesting happened when I had the fitness center. There was a gentleman there named Steve, who was a meteorologist for the Weather Channel, and he uh, wanted to know what to wear on a date. And I was like, "Oh, well, why don't I come over to your place and see what you have, and and if we need to, we'll go shopping. And by the way, we're gonna we're gonna go and get your hair cut with my guy that I know because you're not, you know, your hair's crazy." Ended up going on this date, and uh, he went back to work. And one of his coworkers said, "Hey, you look great. What'd you do?" And he goes, "Oh, there's this guy at the gym that took me shopping." And she said, "Well, would he?" Would he take my husband shopping? And that's when I was like, well, maybe there's something in this. And so when that closed, when my business closed, I'm like, what can I do that costs $0? <laughs> so I had my assistant who built a little website. And so I saved up like $600. I think at the time it was like $100. And we started sort of advertising on Google AdWords. And this was back in 2006 when you could actually advertise on Google AdWords for. You know dollars as opposed to hundreds of dollars or whatever it may be now, and so I started getting clients around the country that were flying in, meeting with me for the day. I'd take them shopping, do pictures with them for their internet dating profiles and and I was sort of off to the races. You know I was still moonlighting as a personal trainer on the side while I was doing that though because it wasn't enough to make me feel comfortable quitting my job as a personal trainer at that time.
0: That's awesome, man I love the the thoughts there about zero dollars and what are people already asking me for? One thing that, that I've thought about and I know a lot of our audience thinks about too is that if I want to you know if they're starting a channel and they don't have a lot of views, they're not making a lot of money. Let's take an example of like bikepacking. How would you approach monetizing and growing that? Like let's say you're you're someone comes to you and says, "Aaron, I have a bikepacking channel. I get, you know, a few views, a few subs. How do I make this a business?"
1: There are a few different ways. I don't know anything about bikepacking, and so you do have to forgive me for not being super well-versed in that, but um It would be probably find a product, possibly start with a t-shirt or something. I mean, even if it's, you know, merchandise, your own merchandise, you know, I think your audience, if they are following you and watching you, they want to help you. They want to not necessarily pay you, but they want to reward you, I think, for putting out content that they find valuable. And so just by creating like a t-shirt with maybe your logo or if you have a saying that you normally say, you know, creating some type of merchandise and then just letting people know, hey you know, hit the link down below. If you guys want to support this channel, I would really love it. It helps me create this content and allow them to sort of go and buy your merchandise. I think that would be a pretty easy way to start because there are a lot of places online where you don't have to do any of the shipping. It's pretty much turnkey in terms of apparel. And so that's probably where I would start. I'm not very good at information products or, you know, anything like that. And so mine would probably be create a product and encourage them to go and buy it. That would be how I'd start.
0: Well, two other things I want to just ask you about is like one, you also put four videos out a week. How long have you been doing this for? Four videos a week?
1: Yeah. uh, Since I hired my best friend to sell advertising for me. (laughs) And so uh, it's been years, years, probably five years.
0: I'm literally just reminding myself of that, where, you know, to be a professional, to be at the elite level, that's the cost of entry. So I think that's one thing if you're trying to take your business to that next level and you're putting out one like half-assed video a week, it's like, well, you're going to get half-assed results. So Sounds like another part to get the audience sizes for really great videos every week for a bunch of years. What products did you launch on your channel that weren't working? And do you, can you share maybe why you think they didn't work?
1: The first product that I launched was called the Mail Style Guide, which was like a little e-product that I wrote. It was, you know, pretty bad. And um, I don't like writing. I also don't like reading. And so for me, e-products were not necessarily a good fit. I used to like, no, a funny story. So I really, I hate to read. And I'm like the anti, you know, sort of online entrepreneur because everybody talks about, you know, books and reading and things of that nature. You even recently put out a video about a book that I think it was like you made like seven, $70 million from reading this book or something,
0: right? Hundreds of millions. Spread the rumors. It's called Maverick by Ricardo Semler.
1: My mom was a hippie, right? So she sent me to this Quaker school in kindergarten called the Plymouth Meeting Friends School. It's outside of Philadelphia near like country Haken. Anyway. So it was a really progressive school. There was a magazine called Ranger Rick that you might have heard of growing up. I don't know. It's like a magazine about animals. Anyway, the real Ranger Rick was there. In kindergarten, they taught you Spanish. In third grade, you go to Mexico. They also teach you, though, in kindergarten, a form of spelling called ITA, which was a form of phonics. They were literally the last school in the country to teach this because apparently it doesn't work for you know a percentage of the population. And so that population was me. And so in kindergarten, they switch you over. And so for you know most kids, they get it, right? But apparently my little dumb brain, my brain that was really, really you know into the way that, that the phonics you know, sort of situation worked, I have struggled with spelling my entire life. And so it scares me. And then reading, I just never got into it. And I'm really bad at grammar. So I don't like reading. I don't like writing. And so E-Products for me wasn't necessarily a great fit. What I love is like products, things that I can touch, things that I can feel. And so my next product were beaded bracelets. And this was before beaded bracelets were like really cool, right?
0: I I'm imagine you at home like doing strings.
1: That's exactly how I did it. I would actually sit there at night and string these beads together. I'd go to the bead store and I loved it. And I would sit there and I'd string these beads together. I would t- ask people, you know, what the wrist measurements were. And that was not scalable. You want to talk about not scalable? <laughs> that was horrible for a $20 bracelet, but I was making money. And so uh, that didn't work out. And I also tried a, a membership website. That's what IamAlphaM.com originally started at, where I was you know, charging a membership fee. And then I was creating and putting out three pieces of content a day for my audience that were paying me, like literally it was like 10 bucks a month. And that also was not sustainable. And so when I ended up giving that up, I was making more money than I ever made in my my life. I was making like $100,000 a year. And I decided, you know what? I just can't keep doing this. I'm going to give all the content away for free and uh, really double down on YouTube. And so at that point, that was one of the big mistakes that I made, going away from YouTube in terms of not putting out as much content and really saying, hey, if you want my content, if you like it, you can find it here, but you got to pay me 10 bucks a month or whatever it was. And so That was a big mistake for me. Uh, Some other businesses, I had uh, the Alpha M Style System, which was a actual DVD set, because once again, I'm not, and this wasn't that long ago. This was, I don't know, I was on Shark Tank season four. So literally, I made this like DVD set. It was called uh, the Alpha M Style System. I created this like formula to teach guys like how to dress. It was almost like Garanimals for adults, where you had pictures, you gave each item, there were like 57 items. Each one had a letter and a number, and I'd show them a picture and say, hey, if you want to duplicate this outfit, the formula is like A2 plus B2 plus C3 is going to give you this outfit. And it was a really good idea, but my application was not, not the best. And I went on Shark Tank for that one. And uh, the night Shark Tank aired, I sold one unit. <laughs> That sucks. (laughs) Eight million people and I only sold one. Did you ever find out? Who was the one
0: person? Who
1: was that guy? I met him. I met him. He came to my conference and he goes, you know how you say that you sold one unit, Shark Tank? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I'm the guy. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) I have a picture with him somewhere.
0: What did you sell on the other Shark Tank and how many did you sell of them?
1: The time I went back, the second episode, season, it was uh, I think season seven. I was selling uh, my hair product company, Pete and Pedro. but. The power of YouTube is, I think, depending on the product, I sold more product the day before Shark Tank when I said, hey, I'm having a Shark Tank sale because I'm going to be on Shark Tank. Make sure to watch me buy my product. Check it out. There's a link down below in the discount code. I sold more me doing a promotion on my own channel than I did the night that Shark Tank aired. And so, you know, it was a great weekend. I mean, I did a lot in sales. I don't remember at that point. I think I was doing around like $40,000 a month. a month in product sales. Yeah, that business started in, I think, 2013. Year number one, I made (laughs) $30,000.
0: So that was awesome. From all your consulting and from YouTube or from this product?
1: Just from uh, Pete and Pedro, the grooming product.
0: I'm curious about your revenue, and I don't even know the numbers. I think some of these people are like, what's the number? I'm like, why do you need to know? Are you going to rob me? I am curious more your breakdown of revenue. Like, How much of your yearly income comes from your YouTube ads versus like the hair products versus, you know, different things that you have? I guess I was just more curious at a high level, like what that looks like.
1: So my skincare company, Tiege Hanley, that is my largest grossing business, but it's got the lowest margin. And so that business is very big. We've got, I think, about 32 employees at this point. We're based out of Chicago. That is my largest business, but I make the least amount of money from that personally. We invest everything pretty much back into the business in order to grow it. And we've just recently started hiring some really, really higher level talent that can help us get to that next level. That's my biggest business, but I make the least amount personally, like on my tax returns, you know, like, you know, profit just because the the margin is a little bit lower on that one. My highest margin business is my YouTube, obviously my advertising, just because it's very little expense to do a video and make, you know, tens of thousands of dollars per promotion.
0: Is this YouTube giving you ad revenue versus what's the breakdown between YouTube ad revenue versus like the direct sponsorships? Yeah.
1: Here are my businesses. Okay. So Alpha M, my YouTube channel, right? Me doing, you know, promotions, talking about videos and yeah, like YouTube. So that's Alpha M that's one. Menfluential Media is my advertising agency that I started as a result of needing somebody to actually sell the advertising for me. So I hired my best friend from high school and it was so successfully started selling advertising for my buddy Antonio. We started an agency and now we represent about thirty-five different influencers and we'll sell, you know, brand deals and negotiate deals for these guys. And so that's another business. I have uh, enemy.com, which is a, a, a sunglass company that that's my most recent business. Pete and Pedro, which is my hair care business, and then T. Hanley, which is my skincare business. And so YouTube is the most profitable just because, you know, if you say you make 20 grand a promotion or a video, right? You're doing four of those a week, you know, multiply that out. The only cost really associated with that is my my commission that I pay my sales guy. And so, you know, you can't write off my time for making videos or sitting there editing. And so that is a very profitable business. And then you've got the ad revenue that YouTube gives you, which is in relation to what you make on sponsorship, it is very small. You know, it's basically like one video. All the ad revenue that you that I generate in a month is equivalent to like one sponsorship. Yeah. So YouTube is the most uh, profitable. Uh, Pete and Pedro, we have really great margins. We're doing, right now our margins are about 30%. And so that's a very healthy business. And we've grown this year about 35% over last year. And that is largely due to my finally getting out of my own way and being a micromanager. And I, I hired a gentleman that that I knew through the Grooming Lounge, which was another online grooming company that was selling like men's grooming products. Mike and I had become friends over the years. He was with Grooming Lounge for like ten years, and um, he was ready to make a move. and He thought there was a lot of opportunity with my grooming company, Pete and Pedro. And so, you know, we sort of negotiated, and you know, is this going to work? And and I basically was like, "All right, let's give it a try." And he was one of the best decisions that I that I made. All the things that have worked out really well have been really hard decisions and things that like my hiring my best friend from Terry for the advertising agency. Like at that point, he was like my first like big employee and I was paying him $5,000 a month. And so when that happened, it was like, oh, you know, I don't know. You know, at that point, I was making about a million dollars a year through, you know, everything. And so I said to him, I said, you know, I, I, I need help selling this advertising, but I don't know. Like, what if it doesn't work out? What if you're not good at it? What if you don't like it? What if we, you know, end up not enjoying it or not working. How much money do you need to pay your bills? He's like five thousand dollars a month. I'm like, all right, I'll commit fifteen thousand dollars three months. And if it doesn't work, if you're not making your mo- my money back, we need to just agree that this just didn't work out. Is not right, and we can move on and and still maintain a friendship. But it was immediate that that was successful. Best decision. <laughs> it's me getting out of my own way. So no, when I hire a video editor, all of a sudden you're going to see my views start to spike because I finally actually I'm putting out better videos, better thumbnails, and letting people do what they do really well.
0: One thing I just want to highlight that I think is so amazing about what you've done is that people are like, wow, he makes money on sponsorships. He's got these products and all that stuff. But I think you also showed like, yeah, I tried a bunch of shit that didn't work. Some of it even kind of worked and I had to really kill that stuff so that I would have room to do these other things. I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was like, if your success percentage is like 70 or 80%, it means you're not trying enough things. He's like, you need to actually get your failure rate up. So that means you're pushing some of the boundaries. And it's something I've been, I've been thinking about in our own business. One thing that you have, the skincare, the haircare, the glasses, the agency, and YouTube. I was curious, is there like a framework or how do you decide what to do and not to do from business decisions at these higher levels?
1: It's all stuff that I'm interested in. I mean, literally, it's scratching my own itch. You know, the haircare company was simply because I didn't like American Cruise forming cream. And I'm like, I wonder if I can... You know, if I could create my own line. And so that happened because of that. Skincare was just because I started really getting into skincare and like anti aging. And so I thought, you know, I think that there's an opportunity because I don't think that traditional or these skincare companies that are catering to men, I don't think they're doing it right. And I think there's a better way. It's all me scratching my own itch. Enemy. I, I saw a sign, I love sunglasses. And I saw a sign on my buddy's store in Chicago on Oak Street that said, good is the enemy are great. I saw the word enemy. I'm like, that would be a really cool sunglass company. I went back to my hotel room, started you know going on GoDaddy, trying to find my, see if there was anybody that had the name Enemy Sunglasses, Enemy Shades. The domains were available. I bought them. I literally was like, I'm going to start a sunglass company. Let me see if I can do it. And so that's how all my stuff works. It's not that I'm smart. It's not that I have these like grand like strategy sessions that I'm like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna do this because I think that there's a market and I say, uh-uh, I'm not that sharp. It is strictly, I think it'd be cool and let me see if I could do it. And some things work, some things don't. And, and see, my problem being an entrepreneur is that I get a lot of ideas and I think about a lot of things that would be awesome and, and oh man, I bet I could make a business out of that. I believe you actually said something to this effect. Like if the business isn't a you know seven, eight figure business, I can't give time or energy to it. A perfect example, there was this product that I helped this guy develop. I loved it. It was called the Fashion Anchor. And this was back years and years ago. And the guy and I who started it had become friends. I promoted it a little bit and had the opportunity. He was going through a divorce. And long story short, I ended up becoming the majority owner of this business six years after it started. And it was doing well. And there was super high margin. It was little like glue dots that you could basically perforate and put on like your collars so that they wouldn't like go crazy or make it as like a third button. Or if your pocket square is falling down, they're fabric safe glue dots, right? The cost for like one packet was like 50 cents. Sell them for, I think it was like $12 a pack. I love the business. I love the idea. But by the time I got into it, you know, sort of the novelty, I think had worn off and I was making a hundred thousand dollars from it, but it was taking time. It was taking energy. It was taking bandwidth. And I ended up saying, you know what? I'm just not, I'm not feeling this. And so I ended up just giving the guy, my partner at that point, I gave the business back to him and said, Hey, good luck. Started a teeth whitening business. I got out of that one because once again, it was, there were a lot of things that went wrong with that business, (laughs) but it was a great product. But so yeah, you got to try a lot of things. There are a lot of shit against the wall, gentlemen.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think one thing that's interesting is you have an audience of people who like you and trust you and you've been doing so many things for free for over 10 years. So When you do recommend something, you already have that. And I think for anyone else out there, if you're like, oh, I want to be like Aaron, well, start right now. Use SendFox.com as an email list. Use YouTube, whatever it is, to start building trust, uh, people that are interested in it. I am a little curious. So you're like, hey, I want to build a sunglass company. I bought a domain. What do you do from there? The products were
1: actually being manufactured. So the idea was, hey, I, I want to start a sunglass company. It's going to be called Enemy. That's where I was starting. And then it was like, okay, I want to make custom glasses. And so I went to the mall. And bought you know three different pairs of styles that I loved, and then we ended up tweaking them, and uh, we found a manufacturer through Alibaba to make sunglasses. And and the way that you know for these products like sunglasses or grooming tools today, I just got you know some nose hair trimmers that I'm going to be selling. <laughs> Alibaba is a great resource, right? In terms of you know you operate a lot in the digital space.
0: Yeah, I'm all digital.
1: Yeah, and so for but somebody who is not and actually wants to sell maybe apparel or Bike packing gear or whatever it may be, you know, Alibaba is an incredible resource because there are a lot of people manufacturing things. China gets a bad rap, in my opinion, for, you know, oh, it's made in China, it's shit quality. It's only shit quality if the components that you're using are shit components. They assemble things incredibly well and very affordably and fast, and they're very accurate. So for me, I went and I sourced all these different manufacturers that made sunglasses. Send me your samples, send me your samples. They sent me those samples. I found the one that I felt was the highest quality. And then I sent them my glass and said, this is the type of, you know, glasses that I want. I want to use Italian acetate, mozzaccioli acetate. I want to use Carl Zeiss lenses. I want to use spring hinges, Teflon screws. Like I dictated exactly what components were going to be used on my sunglasses and, and then they, you know, build me a sample, send it to me. We tweaked it. I'm in the process now of having wallets made. And it was the same sort of thing. You know, you just got to go through the process with them. You know, you're probably not going to nail it on that first time. You might need a few iterations, but it's a great resource to find products and have them customized and made for you.
0: Was there a lot of hiccups with it? How long did that process take from like you sitting back and forth with them till done? And I want, as you're thinking about that, I want to highlight for all the listeners or viewers out there if you haven't gone to enemy.com, the way that you've described the components of sunglasses is so impressive. I'm going to pull it up in the backside here. I have a pair of, of them waiting for me at home that I'm looking forward to, to trying out. But when you look at the sunglass components, I've never really seen a sunglass, and I, you know, I've bought a good amount of pairs over, over my lifetime. Hinges, spring-loaded acetate, Masuzeli 1849 lenses, Zeiss optics. I mean, it's just like, you're choosing higher-end components, but you're also making that part of your marketing, which I, as a viewer, potential customer, was just like, oh, wow, this is high-end.
1: I love sunglasses and I have, I own a bunch of sunglasses that cost me $500. It's like, really? $500? Is this really worth $500? So let me see if I can create a really high quality product and sell it for under a hundred. And so, you know, we did. I'm not making, you know, six times my investment, but that's okay. It's about offering a great value. And I think that in the world of, you know, e-commerce and physical products, I think that's really kind of the takeaway and something that I've learned. It's, you know, offer incredible value and a good product. And if you wouldn't use it yourself, you shouldn't be selling it.
0: I love that. With all the things going on lately, how have you adjusted your businesses? You said that, you know, your YouTube stuff is down 30%. But my businesses
1: are up. That's the interesting thing about it, Mike. Pete and Pedro, the grooming company, and uh, the skincare company have all had record months ever since COVID hit. And, you know, with Pete and Pedro, it was one of those things where everybody pulled advertising. And so we were getting incredible returns on our ad spend. We just said, let's go for it, right? And because our products were in that personal care space, for whatever reason, people still wanted to take care of themselves, right? It's like, I still want to style my hair. I still want to use body wash. It's these little things that we can do to make us ourselves feel normal and to pamper ourselves a little bit. It's been great because it's also allowed me and afforded me the opportunity to Test and try things more affordably because there weren't as many people that were that were advertising on Facebook or you know Google. I mean, we we're I was getting at one point I was getting like eighteen times my spend on for Pete and Pedro, which was like insane. It might not have been eighteen, maybe it was a little lower than that. I, now I'm I'm just thinking about this on a little lower, but still it was it was insane.
0: I was curious. How have you changed any of your YouTube content? You said it's been down 30%. Have you just kept going the same way with it or have you started adjusting the topics or how you're approaching it?
1: Adjusting the topics. When this all happened, one of the smartest things I did, which it was just simply, okay, if people are gonna be home, they're gonna need to cut their own hair. One of the odd skills that I learned being a poor kid from Philly was how to cut my own hair. And that was one of the earlier YouTube videos that I actually put on YouTube was, hey, how to cut your own hair. I never went to a barber until probably I was like 35. and so. I cut my hair for my entire life. In college, I cut people's hair to make a few extra bucks for beer. So I knew, okay, if people are gonna be, our home, they're gonna need to cut their hair. I'm gonna do a video because I know that YouTube does like fresh content. And so, you know, after like two weeks of this thing being everybody kind of starting to quarantine, I made a how to cut your hair tutorial that has now like seven or eight million views, right? And so it was like, okay, you catch the wave. Some home workouts, also another thing. It's about trying things, testing things, seeing what resonates with people. But unfortunately, there is no roadmap that I have found, unfortunately. It's go with your gut, try things, but don't try things too outside of your box because um, you know, your audience will tell you very quickly that they don't, <laughs> they're not interested. And here's the other per- crappy thing. Some of my favorite content that I create is called the Alpha M Project. I've done, I think, like four or five, six seasons. I basically have a contest for my audience and I give away makeovers. And so, you know, I get sponsors and, you know, I have people submit audition videos and and have my audience vote to see, you know, who they want to actually receive the makeovers. And I fly people in all expense paid and give them a makeover for two days.
0: That's a great idea.
1: They do really well, but I can't do that content right now. I don't want want to, I don't want to talk to strangers. (laughs) Right. And so, yeah. And then YouTube you know, if you do anything COVID-related, YouTube is going to ding you on the algorithm and not show your content. It's figuring out how and, and where to sort of test and push things without going too far outside of your, your zone or your box, your lane.
0: I like Nick Nimmin's approach, the way he was kind of teaching me about YouTube, is that you got to do your core stuff that you know is bread and butter, like haircuts while you're at home. I think, you know, you'd probably bet that that would do well. But then also kind of experiment with more risque stuff that you're like, I don't know if it's going to do well, but it's fun and I'm interested in it. And so I kind of like that that approach of it.
1: It's more challenging for me though, because all of my videos, for the most part, are sponsored. Taking risks with people's money is not necessarily a good strategy for me. It's like, hey, I want to, you know, I'm going to do a video about, you know, the best like cats or something like that, right? You've got to be very aware that, you know, because if I go too outside of the box, I always try to tie my advertisements or promotions to the content that I'm actually delivering. And so it's a balancing act that I've got to that I've got a very delicately figure out.
0: I will say for our own channel, the things that you got me thinking about was one, this contest idea I really liked. And because, you know, when, when we've sold things in the past, the number one way we've ever sold anything is by showing proof live and real results from that product. Not like talking about the product, but actually doing it. The other thing that I was thinking about is, this is just me thinking out loud, is like, I want to actually invest more into promoting and growing our channel because there is something there where these sponsorships or products that you create, you know, if you have a larger audience of people that give a shit about you, you know, there's more likely you can recommend things that they'll be interested in. I was like, oh, there's, there's something more to that. So I like that uh, you've kind of like planted that seed, mm-hmm. at least in, uh, in my head. One thing that we talked about kind of early in the show, and I was kind of curious because I, I can't tell if it's something big for you or not. I want to hear more from you. How have you approached or, or gone about email marketing in your businesses and with your channel?
1: My grooming businesses, we are very heavy on the email marketing. And that was one of the things that that I learned. I have not been the guy that has been super good at capturing, you know, emails and and things of that nature. It's not ever been something that I really focused on, unfortunately. It was when I hired Mike Levy from Pete and Pedro, he was all about the list. He was all about, you know, email marketing and building the list and building the list and building the list. And what he showed me is that we were able to grow Pete and Pedro without me having to actually promote it. That's what it's all about. You know, for me at this stage, it is about helping Figuring out a way to build businesses that do not require me every day to pitch products or to talk about something in order to, you know, generate revenue and income. You know, we have built that business primarily through the email marketing. We are doing it better. I'm not. They are.
0: <laughs> but I am curious. I think it feels like you're not really doing it or leveraging it fully on your on your site. I don't know. Do you want to talk about that or go over that at all? Because it feels like, you know, for your personal brand, which you can leverage for, you know, any products uh, you're making in the future. Seems kind of like low-hanging fruit.
1: Yeah, no, it is. I, I send out a, uh, a newsletter once a week to my entire audience. I don't have a free giveaway. I don't have any, I don't even know if I have an email capture up on imalpham.com.
0: You don't. Do you want to pull up the site and just like go over? Because like for me, it seems like that email list you can use for your, your own content, for any of these products or any future products you want to be creating. Yeah. Do you want to look at it now? I mean, is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. But it's funny that it works in one side of your business, but you're not doing it in the other side. The two things that I'm observing just on your site, I'm just on your site right now. So it seems like I would use like any of these pop-ups like MailMunch or, you know, suma.com or any of the free ones out there. Yeah, dude, like you don't have any of that stuff. feels like super low-hanging fruit. Tell that guy that does it for those other things just to go install it for you.
1: Here's one of the other realities though. I have stopped making my websites a focus, you know, in terms of driving traffic to them. It used to be very, very high on my priority list. I was driving a lot of traffic to my website because I thought that it was going to be the advertising from page views that I was going to make money. And then when I realized that there was more revenue to be made in actual product promotions on YouTube, what I've come to realize after pitching products for 11 or 12 years on YouTube is that people are really good with one direction. You give them three things to do, they're not going to do any, or they might, you know. And so for me, it was was what is the one thing I need my audience to do when I am talking about a, a product, and that is go check out the product. And so for me to be like, oh, and by the way, follow me on Twitter. And oh, by the way, if you're not checking me out on Instagram, I have a job to do when I am promoting a product and taking a brand's money in order to talk about the product. You know, with all of my content being promotions, there isn't all that much room for me to also try to drive traffic to my personal brand, if that makes sense.
0: I hear you on that. And I don't disagree. I agree. But I'm going to agree to agree with you, okay? I am curious to hear more from you about how you pitch a product effectively. I'm just kind of curious how you approach it. But even, I don't even think you have to drive them to your website. I was just thinking you can have a landing page. You can use SendFox or MailChimp or whoever you use. And then just instead of Instagram and your Facebook group and your Twitter and your Instagram and all these other things that are, you don't really have control. Like you're like, yeah, YouTube reduced my views 30%. You're kind of at their mercy versus your email list. You you don't really have to depend on them. So I would just consider not even saying them to your website, but in your descriptions, you have like 20 different links in here. So maybe remove, you know, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and then put like your you know, your landing page for an email sign up, and you don't even have to worry about the website. Yeah. Just something to consider. I'm just looking at like one of your most recent videos.
1: Yeah. I do not disagree.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. What we do is we have that. And then like our auto, do you have like an auto responder set up pretty well for all your products when people join from your newsletter? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Just pump them through. Like, why are you sending them to Twitter? Fuck Twitter. Send them to Aaron Marino's newsletter. And then it's like, hey, here's this product. Hey, subscribe to YouTube. Hey, here's like, that's the way we've done it. You know, we're at a smaller scale on the YouTube side, but it's how we've made, you know, AppSumo's most of our revenue came from email. I'm a fan.
1: I know you are. And I am as well. And that is something where I've not always been. And I think part of it is, you know, for me, and this is probably an excuse, but I've got a lot of things going on, right? With these five different, you know, businesses and entities. And so, no, but you're right. I mean, the email, it's, it's super, it's essentially free. It's
0: free money. It is. And it's controllable, dude. You're not depending on YouTube changing anything. You, the one thing, here's one thing I'm, I'm curious. I'll bet you a dollar. Either way, you're going to get a dollar probably. Who writes your YouTube descriptions? My assistant, Debbie. Oh, Venmo, you a dollar. I was thinking you'd do that too.
1: No, 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 no. I, I don't like writing and I can't spell.
0: <laughs> so tell her to throw your landing page up there and take off Twitter and then call me in a few months when you're like, holy shit, I'm making a lot more money from my own email list.
1: All right, all right, we'll do it.
0: One thing you were saying, how do you pitch a product? So let's say, because you kind of got me excited, like I should get sponsors. Because it's interesting, that's the bulk of the revenue relative to the effort. You know, it's accumulation of all the work you've put onto it before that. But how do you recommend a product? Because I've always found it kind of interruptive. And I'm sure it's products you already like, but you know, how do you approach that or think about that?
1: I remember my first sponsorship, it was Blank Label Shirts. That was my first paid sponsorship. It was almost like back then, sponsorship and, and advertising was almost like a dirty word, right? Like to be a content creator and to do it, it was it was not cool, right? Everybody, your audience would be like, ah, you suck and sell out and all that. Well, now everybody's doing it. And so it's become a lot more commonplace. And I think really it's about figuring out your mechanism to do it, right? Like if you watch somebody like Phil DeFranco, which I'm not sure if you know him, but um, he does like a sort of like a news show. Anyway, after like five minutes or six minutes, uh, you know, he basically does it like a spot, right? Like a, you know, just like an advertisement that is like tossed in there. Some people do it at the beginning, but for me, it is about the story. It's about integrating the product, whatever that product is, into one of the tips that I'm giving for that specific video that correlates. You know, just getting really excited about it. I mean, I love everything that I promote. You know, I am in a very fortunate position where we get reached out to by 20 brands a day. And my schedule is booked like as of January 1st, I know what my schedule is for the year. They'll have pre sold my available spots for the year, and I only work with brands, you know, that I love, you know, like Bosley. I've worked with them now for, you know, a few years. I love Bosley, you know, Dollar Shave Club, Get Roman, like all these different brands that are just amazing that I really love.
0: You're known as a style guy in fashion and image and man. Can you insult me in my fashion? <laughs> no, I can't. Or how I can No, improve? I can't.
1: See, I don't even like style. No, I like style, but I started, when I started, it was about, you know, the image consulting and, and clothing. But then it transitioned into grooming. And then now it's more just lifestyle stuff. I'll talk about anything that has to do with men and uh, what they may or may not be interested in that I feel comfortable talking about. Like I, I don't know cars. I don't know technology. I don't know a lot of things. I try not to talk about things that I'm absolutely clueless about.
0: For myself or for all the dudes out there, is there a piece of style or image or confidence that you could recommend that I work on or all of us can work on today?
1: Yeah. Exercise. The number one thing that will affect your life in a positive way and make you feel better about yourself is getting to the gym, getting exercise and getting active and just using your body. That is the number one piece of advice. You start doing that, it will transcend every single aspect of your life in a positive way.
0: What would be like the alpha M exercise challenge? <laughs> Consistency.
1: <laughs> because that's the thing. Everybody gets super excited, right? And and then you start, and and you know, three weeks later, it's the whole uh, New Year's resolutionaries that get you know to the gym every super pumped up January first, and then you know February first, they're nowhere to be found. Consistency. Set yourself up for success. I think a lot of people try to bite off more than they can chew, right? It's like, hey, I'm gonna start working out five times a week. I'm gonna eat better. I'm gonna stop drinking. And I'm gonna quit smoking. <laughs> Pick one and see if you can do that. It's that whole New Year's resolution thing, right? Everybody has all these great ideas and, and I'm gonna do all of these amazing things. You just need to pick one and do it consistently for a specific amount of time. And if you did that, great, let's move on to the next one. But yeah, just stay consistent. That's the hardest thing.
0: And I wanna wrap it up with this. Have you seen anyone in business or on the, the content creator YouTube side that has been consistent that has not succeeded?
1: define success. I don't know what somebody else's version of success, you know, would be.
0: Fair, totally fair.
1: And so, you know, it's like, okay, what I see as successful is different than what, you know, somebody else. Um, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of people that, that start and just, you know, burn out or they don't see the results, you know, quick enough and, and they decide to stop. Unfortunately, you know, YouTube and like your, to your credit, what you're saying about you have no control over it. You know, there are a lot of people, these content creators that, you know, were maybe a little bit racy or cursed in their videos. In one second, they went from making a million dollars a year, whatever it is, you know, just using that as an arbitrary number, to literally like nothing because of the way that YouTube changed their monetization, their advertising mechanism. And I've got a friend, um, another men's lifestyle guy's named Zeus, right? Zeus, you know, he was very crude. He's a cartoon and he's giving dating advice. And his channel was absolutely crushing it. But then the algorithm and the more advertiser-friendly YouTube said, nah, so his, his channel stopped getting recommended the way that it was before. Yeah, you are at the absolute mercy of, of YouTube, unfortunately, to some degree.
0: So is he still going? But just... He's still
1: doing it, but he's not, getting, he's not growing the way that he was. He's not getting the views because YouTube isn't recommending his channel because it's not advertiser-friendly. If your stuff isn't advertiser-friendly, you know, YouTube really doesn't want to show your videos because they're like, yeah, we're not going to make any money off of you. This is a business for everybody.
0: That's fascinating. So the moral of the story. Yeah,
1: the moral of the story is, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's a moral of the story other than YouTube's a bitch.
0: <laughs> it's the bitch we love, too. It, it is. It, it serves us well. We can't bite the hand that feeds. I think it sounds like the moral of the story, though, is that you have to know what the, I've thought about it a lot in this year, which is like, you have to cater to what their interests are right? Like if you're doing sales or doing anything, it's like, well, what's the customer? So what's YouTube's venture interest is like more people on the site, more advertisers. And so if you can help them do that, then they'll win and you win. You know, for you, it's just like consistency. It's like you've been doing it week in and week out for, you know, a year, what, 13 years. I know I've done it for a year at times and I'm like, hey, I'm not rich and famous. Like, oh, well, I'm going to give up. And I think that's 99% of the people. And then the last part I would say from your story, which I really admire is also, it's kind of the gumption, that's a cool word, but it's just like the moxie, keep going. That you're just like trying a lot of stuff out. You're like, I'm gonna try hair products, I'm gonna try making bead bracelets. I still kinda maybe that's like a exclusive, <laughs> you know, collector's edition. You know, and then eventually you find those things that are working while, you know, doing all the things all along that you've enjoyed. So it's uh, very commendable, very inspiring.
1: Thanks, no, I appreciate it. So are you. When I watch your video about all the ideas and businesses that uh. you've started, it's just it's mind boggling. It's amazing. But I think Once you find some things, I think as an entrepreneur that is always looking for different avenues and ventures, I think one of the challenging things is actually exercising discipline at some point of not biting off more than, you know, or trying every idea. And as you become more successful, you're going to be inundated by people with opportunities. And a lot of these opportunities are fine opportunities or great opportunities, but you just have to be disciplined because you only have so much energy and time to commit to any one or two things. And so be disciplined.
0: And hey, Marino, everyone. AlphaM.com. I am AlphaM. Enemy.com.
1: Where you can sign up for any email list. on the anti-email list guy. <laughs> well,
0: it's, I just thought it was really hysterical. You're like, hey, we make a bunch of our money. All, a lot of it's from this email list, and that's what we're big on. Oh, my personal stuff? No, I don't do that. Exactly. Next week, you're going to be having your coffee. You're be like, ah, shit. Yeah, that guy might have been right. I need to give something something for free. You don't have to give shit away for free. You can just say, hey, I have a newsletter. I'm going to send you cool updates. Sign up
1: for my newsletter?
0: Yeah, just throw it in your descriptions. Cut out Twitter. That's not going to do anything for your business or your personal. Throw that in there.
1: I don't like Twitter because it requires writing.
0: (laughs) Dude, on your email, literally you could just send a picture of your video, your, your thumbnail and a link to your thumbnail and a link to the video. You don't do that when you launch your videos. Seriously, like whenever we launch a video now, we've kind of tested it. The past two weeks, we had a few videos that the email didn't go out or didn't work and the video was like half as much Views is normal. Yeah. No, I believe it. And how many people on your personal mailing list?
1: Mm -hmm. A few
0: hundred thousand. That sounds like if you had a 30% open rate, 5% click through rate, or something like that, you have an extra 30 to 100,000 views, you'd be back up to normal.
1: See, but what I don't know about though is because so much is dictated by YouTube showing people your video and them clicking through, I just don't know how that affects the algorithm. Now, of course, you could just test it, right? That's a simple answer on a video. But because of a lot of the analyzing that YouTube is doing is how many people from the impressions that YouTube is showing is actually clicking through that video. So for me, if somebody is apt to watch it on YouTube from seeing an impression or it popping up on their phone, I want them to watch it there so that it helps me with YouTube algorithm. Now, in terms of you know an email list and how that affects it or how that would work, I have no idea. I mean, it can't hurt probably. But if it takes away from this, it could actually potentially hurt. And I just don't know that. And neither do you.
0: Wow, that was kind of harsh. But no, I don't know fully. <laughs> no, no, no,
1: no, 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 Meaning like, like <laughs> what if it's I, not, did and know. I, I didn't mean it like that?
0: Like I have friends that work at YouTube. I could literally find out.
1: You know, if you're talking about like your video, you're, if you don't send it, you get a thousand. If you send it, you get 2000 or whatever. But when you're talking about 100,000 or, you know, I think the potential upside in terms of a percentage would probably lessen slightly depending on the size. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm going to test it. But here's the thing. I want a really high click-through rate. Sometimes it takes YouTube up to 15 minutes to actually filter and get the email, the notification to your phone or wherever it's going to be and filter it to the recommendation engine that YouTube uses on your other content. And so it takes more than five minutes. Sunday, I'm going to post this random rogue video because I had an extra slot I needed to fill. And so I'm going to send another email on Sunday an hour after I post this video or you think it's 30 minutes, 30
0: minutes. Anything under an hour is good. I think 30 is better because YouTube's anyways. I don't know the algorithm personally. All right. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to check in with you Sunday. And then if it, if it actually significantly helps, I don't owe you a dollar. We'll just call it even. I'm going to see. And then you're going to probably start collecting emails on your descriptions.
1: Hell yeah, Noah. (laughs) What are you talking about? Maybe shit. No, if this works, this is game changing.
0: (laughs) The other thing that I don't get is how come you're not emailing out for your sponsors? Like, hey, here's today's video. It was sponsored by these guys. Because then you're going to drive them a shit ton of like potential customers. They're going to be like, holy shit, the ROI is higher. I do swipe ups typically for them. Yeah, dude, I'm just saying swipe ups are small. Swipe ups are nothing. If you could email out to the hundreds of thousands of people and then drive them that, then you could probably double your sponsorship rates.
1: No, I'm about to wet my pants. (laughs) I literally am ready to wet my pants. Hey, it has been amazing. Thank you, sir. Hey, send me this one when we're done. No, you're a rock rock star. You are too, dude. And I am so fortunate that I was able to hang out with you for a few hours twice now. So thank you so much, brother.
0: All right, brother. Be easy, man. Good seeing you. Bye. Later. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as I did. If you did, go check out Aaron at Alpha M on YouTube. His glass company is Enemy.com, and all of his other products you can see at AaronMarino.com. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go buy some clothes and make a YouTube video together. (laughs) And before you go, tweet at me, at Noah Kagan, and let me know what you thought of this episode. Also, remember to go subscribe to my email list. You probably are, so you can skip this part. But if you're not, I put my best tips into a single short email each and every week and hook up exclusive content just for email subscribers. That's SendFox.com slash Noah. Finally, a couple of plugs. Can I say that? To my amazing team. Thank you, Jason, at podcasttech.com. I don't know how you're still available at the price you are for me, but everyone else go hire him for your podcast and editing. Thank you to David Mitchell, Jeremy, and Jen from the Dork team. And a final shout out to Chelsea Laura, who's an engineer on the App Sumo team. Thank you for all the coding magic that you do for all the sumo links. Have a day. What's your favorite day of the week?